Okay, so much going on with the fair and the various things that, you know, you have to do. I kind of work the window and you have responsibilities of putting the onions and the lettuce and the tomato and the pickle and the cheese and the burger, this and the bread and that. And I, you know, it's just crazy, just absolutely crazy. And sometimes I'll miss things, forget things. Uh, one time, I don't think I did it this year, sent out a hamburger without the hamburger, had all the various, it's just these various things. And so I was just wondering about all this stuff when thinking about this message and it had to do with sometimes we just forget to add certain ingredients in, in our walk. It's, it takes some ingredients in this walk or, or if you have a recipe that calls for all different sorts of things and you just maybe don't have enough eggs. You know, maybe it calls for three eggs and you have two and you kind of think, okay, maybe this thing will, will slide and we'll just try to see how it tastes without the extra egg it needs. Or sometimes when you open up a pop and you hit no fizz, you just kind of understand it's flat. Things missing. And every once in a while in your personal walk or even in the ministry of itself like this one, us, the family of New Hope, sometimes you just have things that are, that are kind of missing. And uh, so we want to look at maybe something that seems to leak out of us or, or at times is just missing and we have to stir ourselves back up. That's part of the Word of God. You need to stir yourself back up. One thing flesh loves to do, it loves to make everything ho-hum. Anything that comes to, with about God and tending church, prayer meeting, whatever it is, he wants it ho-hum. The Word of God, ho-hum. Now he'll freak out for other things football season, everything else, but the flesh wants nothing to do, wants that which is holy to become common. And so these certain things sometimes just kind of miss. And so as I look and, and look at some things, let's just look at some possible uh, resources we have. We do have assets. You might think you don't, but we do. We have assets and money and property we have the capability of dealing with situations or in meeting difficulties. We have. We have the skills to accomplish something wonderful for God. The restoration is another huge event. Army of people, and we've been pulling that off for, I don't know, four or five years, so we can do stuff like that. We have talent to produce anointed godly music where the Spirit of God can freely move without hindrance. We have room to grow. We do. We have all these various ingredients right here at New Hope. We have accessibility right here. The interstate is so close to us. We have availability. We have the abundance of food and water, clothing, churches, Bibles, different translations of the Bible, tapes, well, you used to, tapes, CD, conferences. We have what we need to make a difference. We do. We just have all these various things. A few years ago, Americans, Americans were buying 500,000 Bibles a week. Walmart sells them. Bookstores are everywhere. Even Family Dollar down the street here has them. We have availability. We live in a free country. We can meet anywhere we want as often as we want. I can board a plane in a few minutes or a few uh, hours and be in West L.A. attending church. I have that freedom. I can go there at any given time. We have had our prayer meetings on the courthouse steps. We've had them in Zanesville High School. We have all these different things going on. So at times, what seems to be missing? And when I get like this, this is not good. 
Psalm 69.9 says this. This is the key. For the zeal of thy house hath eaten me up, the psalmist said. And the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. The key word is zeal. Zeal. That word zeal is passion, fervor, enthusiasm, eagerness, zeal. And sometimes we just kind of get ho-hum and we don't have that fire, or I like to call it, we don't have that spit. We just don't do much anymore. Sometimes you can be so exhausted or, or so scared you can't even spit. And so at times we got to say, what's, what's going on, God? you got to help me get this back. And the Word of God tells us about stirring yourself up. Now, I'll give a shot here this morning attempting to stir you. But mostly, I'm attempting to stir myself because I'm just flesh like you. And so this zeal must be. And so sometimes I look at myself or us and I go, where's the fire? Where's the passion for the Lord? Where's the enthusiasm? Where's the eagerness? Acts 1, 12, 13 says this. This might be a New King James. I might have forgot to write that. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into an upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Has anybody ever introduced you as this is Lenny the Zealot? I thought that's kind of cool. It's in the Word of God. That's not his last name. That's something about him. This guy's a zealot. And these words, these, these words are meaningful to us. Zealot means this, one burning with zeal. A lot of it could be misdirected, I understand, but we're talking about the Lord. It means passion, fervor, enthusiasm, eagerness. This is Simon the Zealot. Seriously. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go somewhere to hear somebody speak the Word of God, I want them to preach the Word of God. I want them to preach it. I mean, just get into it, preach it, keep me involved, pull me to you. As you preach this word of God, I want someone to preach it as they believe it. That they, this is truly what I believe. This is how I walk. This is what I eat upon. This is what I meditate upon. And anybody that's in the sales, you know you want someone like that, that, that believes that you sell the most best car in the world, and that person that comes on the lot, you've just got to own one of these. We bought things that we didn't even want because the salesman. Remember when our daughter was first born? I mean, we had not a whole lot of nickels to rub together, but we got the hugest apparatus, safety, net, high chair, guaranteed not to fall into your daughter. A billion dollars. Okay, I got to have it. That's the truth. It wasn't a billion, but it seemed like a billion dollars. I don't even know where it is now. And, and, it, and this guy just, I mean, he had the videos. He showed children falling and out of high chairs was the big thing back then. And so the salesman, and so this zealot, this fire, this passion needs to be the, in the people of God. Because you're God's missionaries and evangelists. 
You're the one that should stir other. You're the one speaking into other people's lives. And you should speak as you believe it. Not tell them about it and they come and I say, who are you looking for? And they say, so-and-so, and I'm saying, he's not here. See, a zealot would be here. They'd be involved. They'd be doing things. They could be, what can I do to further the kingdom of the gospel? Whether it's here, there, over there, anywhere, do something. A zealot for God. Zeal for God. Passion and fire be burning for God. It's just what we need to do. Luke 24, 32 says this as they walked along the road. I love this verse. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn with us, within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Now, I'm just shaving this morning. It's always like on Sunday you don't want to get up. And so you're kind of like shaving. But I'm trying to find some good preaching. It took a long time. But all of a sudden, I heard someone just spitting out the Word of God, talking about hell and eternity. Man, I'm shaving like this. I'm into it. But before, I was just, I mean, it's just the truth. It affects you. The Word of God affects you. And this guy was preaching as he believed it with all his heart. And so his, his burningness, his passion, his fervor was affecting me even while I was shaving. So it says, did not our hearts burn within us? While we talked about the things of God is what they were saying. Well, the Lord broke open the word of God and was speaking to them. They didn't know. All they knew that their heart was burning within them. When was the last time that this was said maybe about us, our church? That church, man, it burns for God. Here we see in Mark 3, 1 through 21. Now, I'm not going to read all this, but you can look at it later. Jesus does all sorts of things. Wonderful things, tremendous things. Skipping down to verse 10 and 11, it says, And he healed many people that day, so that all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirit would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God! This is what's going on here in this portion of the Word. Verse 14, he goes, Then the Lord appoints 12 of them, called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out devils. All kind of wonderful things that we need today. Tremendous power of God being displayed. Verse 20, it says, One time Jesus entered a house, the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. They must minister. They must go out. Throngs are coming to hear about God. What's the normal response? 21 says, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away saying, he's out of his mind. When you show some fire and spit and fervency for God and passion, no, I don't want to go to the game. I'm going to church. No, I don't want to get involved in that hobby. I'm giving my devotion to God. They'll say, that dude's out of his mind. Don't you know the, the Buckeyes are um, coming back? Or the whatever, whoever, whenever. This is what they said about God. This is the natural reaction of the natural man about the things of God. Someone, for, what, what? I remember people in my family saying, what? 
How many times in church you go a week? Three. And thinking, you're crazy. You're over the top. And this is how we think when we get fired up for God and somehow we lose this fizz. When you, when you really, truly get born again and become so excited for God that we can just go, keep that, keep that fizz. Don't lose it. Don't become like me. Keep that excitement. Remember what God did for you. When someone starts to work for the Lord with zeal and passion, man, we say, it's crazy. He's out of his mind. We're going back to church again tonight. People say, what? And there's not me, but these are just questions I brought up. Why don't you golf anymore? Uh, why don't you fish like you used to? I haven't gone hunting for years. Why? I don't know. Just lost interest. Bingo. Look, we are into things. And you can tell when something has us. We wear its colors. We paint it all over the place. You only can catch a fish on one rod. You'll have 15 fishing poles. You have three boats. You can only ride one. I mean, it's just kind of stuff we do. Revelations 2.4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Look, we, we can all be guilty of this. Don't tune out. This zeal, the, the flesh, this flesh wants to just rock you to sleep, like into a coma. Just, just don't rise up. Just don't use the giftings and talents and the strength that lies within you. The Godhead, the complete Godhead bodily is in me, but just sing them a lullaby. Please go to sleep, little Christian. Please don't start praying. Whatever you do, don't rise up. That Revelations 2.4, at times I can incorrectly quote that verse, not meaning to, just do. Verse itself says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Lots of times I would say, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast lost thy first love. Well, that's a big difference. Whoa, 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 big difference. And I have lost things I've cherished. I don't know what I did. I just misplaced them. I wish I didn't, but I, but I lost them. I can't find them. It's different from just saying, I just left. One little four-letter word changes the whole thing. I mean, you've lost keys. I still haven't found them from years ago. Keys to everything in his lost them. I don't know what happened. I can't even think what possibly. I would never want to lose them. I didn't just leave them. I lost them. This verse says we have left. We left the Lord. I can't believe it. Left him. And that word left means to send him away. Please, not now. Don't bother me. We send him away. Means to let go. To let go. That's what this means. This is the word of God. It means to go away from. We make, you know, we kind of use it as a real joke. You're fired up, you're sitting on the front row, you're getting mediocre, you're sitting in the back, you're cooling off, or you're in the middle, you're cooling off, you're in the back. 
Next thing we don't see anymore. What happened? The Lord didn't leave you go. He died for you. Died a brutal death for you to have the freedom to come. God just says, you didn't lose it, buddy. You left me. You just left me. We can let our affections wander or drift away. We can let them. Oh, absolutely. You know you can. Yes, we can. Used this analogy years ago. I was going to bring in a bathing towel. That's the ocean. Here's the beach. Put my towel down. Everybody and the children run in the ocean. Of course, not me. I'll go ankle deep. But they're out there just playing, right? It seems like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, playing away, just having a great old time. And they come up out of the ocean. What do they do? Somebody stole our stuff. Because what's happened? While they're frolicking and playing and not paying attention and having a good old time, the ocean just slowly causes them to drift. I've done it. I've come back up. And I'll say, for Pete's sake, even on a beach, we get ripped off. And if you look, there's your stuff right up there. You drift when you are not full of passion and zeal and spit for God and start playing and frolicking. At eons and times goes by, you drift from God. And a lot of you don't even understand how that's happened. And you come back up to find your fervor and spit, and, you're, and you just can't. You just can't. Oh, we drift. I loathe that flesh. I can't wait to get rid of the flesh. So we drift as we play as we get distracted, and drifting means to change gradually. If I come up, you know, to, to Bruce and say, tomorrow you're not going to love God, he'll never believe that. But if I come up with him, give him a subtle thought about something, it just starts to bump him gradually. That's what happens to us. Remember when they would shoot up to hit the moon? They had to be on the money on the money. One little tick off, they wouldn't even see the moon. They wouldn't say, oh, hold it, there it is. They wouldn't even see it. That's how far off they'd be by the time they went all that distance. And this is what happens to us. So God then tells us in 2.5 of Revelations, remember. You're to remember this. If this frightens you, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes you need to put some fear in your children. You run through that church again, why not? Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, God says to us, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come to thee unto thee quickly. God says, I'll come quickly. No, and look at the threat he gives us, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. That candlestick is the light of God. That candlestick is what makes you see things with righteous eyes. If he removes that, you're back in the world, thinking like the world. That's how important this is to keep that passion and love fired up and that zeal for God. Luke 12, 35. This is another amazing. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Keep them burning. That's what God said. What good are lights if they're not burning? It's like the watchdog that doesn't bark. They're both dumb. Isn't it? What good's having eight flashlights and none of them work? 
What good's having a dog if he just lays there and watches the crook come in? And so God says, these lights, these lights got to be, they got to be absolutely burning. And if your light, listen to me, this is serious. If your light is not truly burning, you're drifting. Even if you swear to me, I'm not. And I've heard that all my life in Christianity. What are you doing? Nothing, Pastor. I'm all right. Everything's fine. I'm in my word. I'm doing good. Where you been? Just kind of busy. Got things to do. You're drifting. And you don't believe it. You don't believe it. How do I know that? Because I don't believe it. It's just the way we're, I'm all right. You're all right. We're all all right. We're all probably going to heaven, too. We might as well just stop these meetings. It's just, we're insane how we are. Burning, light burning means to set on fire. To set on fire. And again, I forgot about that. Remember I, I said we need a, a, somebody Google me and send it to me, the map of North and South Korea at night. South Korea is just lit up. North Korea, there's one dot of a light, and that's probably around the capital. Darkness and light. North Korea will not permit the gospel in. South Korea does. Perfect example. That's you and I, light and darkness. It's obvious to see. And we think that we are tricking each other because we can't see it, but you can see it all over your face and in your walk and in your talk when we lose that fire and that zeal for God. I don't know. Maybe you're thinking, ah, I don't know, Pastor. Come on. Well, you can say, I, I don't believe I know anybody like that. Well, I beg to differ. I believe you do. And we, we, even TV will prove it to you. Soon football will be on, and you'll see huge, bare belly men with the name of the team painted on their big gut and national TV. That's all right, isn't it? If it's your team, it's all right. What are they called? Fans. Fans. Fanatics. That's exactly what they're called. Fan is a fanatic. Marked by excessive enthusiasm. I parked at the fair every week. Could hardly get any parking. One guy never moved his van. It was orange and brown and had Cleveland Browns all over. That was an older van, but when it was new, I mean, that thing had to be worth something. I mean, had, let's, I don't know what vans cost anymore, but let's just say back then, $15,000, $20,000 van, and he paints a Cleveland Browns van. You just hacked off about 31 other people that aren't going to, teams that aren't, he's got to be nuts to do that because he's fan, a fan, fan. Fanatic, enthusiastic, over the top. But somehow we accept that because it has nothing to do with God, saving souls or eternity. It's okay if you have, if you got a Brutus Buckeye head and go to the game. Or stick a big cheese on your head and go to the game. Even the Steelers, I don't put a big steel beam on their head. I'm like, are you crazy? Fanatics, 
But for God, that, that doesn't fly. Fan, fanatic, marked with by excessive enthusiasm, often intense. And no fight. Often intense. Rabid is also a word. Who in Christianity am I uh, defining here? I don't know. Radical. I don't know. I have done funerals where the deceased behind me is buried in their favorite NFL team shirt, college sh uh, shirt, or NASCAR shirt. Slipping off into eternity with Dale Earnhardt posted on their chest or, or something. It's amazing. Things that they love. Done a funeral with a deck of cards on the guy's chest because that's what he was known for. Fanatic poker player. Really? Are you kidding me? Yet in the house of God. Hmm. Remember years ago, I don't know if it was in this sanctuary or not, getting on us about worship. Today was awesome. I like that worship. It was nice. It was full of some spirit. But sometimes we just kind of, I don't know, we lose it. Just sing the songs. I don't know. We're like the guys that hang up our harps. And back then, I think Adam was playing football. We'd go to the John Glenn football games. And I see church people, buttons, stuck all over them, jugs of rocks. In fact, I think I even brought this stuff in. Jugs of rocks, shaking them, air horns, and cowbells. In church. Look, that's a perfect example of the flesh and the spirit, man. It is perfect. Now, next week, if you walk in with all that stuff, I know, you might have to call security. But you understand what I'm saying, how we look at things, how we don't have that fervency and passion for God as we do for meaningless things. Meaningless. It is. I've seen countdowns to the next football game already. <laughs> I just looked at that and kind of chuckled. Maybe we should have that up, countdown to the next church service. Yeah. Okay. So our look, look at this. Psalms 2.12. You ever seen this scripture? You ever seen this verse? You ever wonder about it? It says this. Kiss the sun. We'll hug trees. We'll kiss frogs. We'll save the owl. Don't we? Uh, the salmon. Uh, what else? Polar bear, uh, the Bengal tiger. We won't kiss the sun. Yeah, now we're we're saving sharks, but no one will kiss the sun. The Bible says, "Kiss the sun." No, look. Sorry, I didn't tell Ruth. But anyway, the question is, why would that seem weird to you to kiss the sun? Why? Why is that weird? Is this weird? Why is that not weird? Is there a scripture like that? Yeah. <laughs> Lenny the Zealot. Yeah, Adam. Isn't that what it says? Kiss the son lest he be angry. Sometimes us guys have to remember your wife might say, when's the last time you gave me a kiss? Because it would upset them. What do they think? You, you don't love me. And so that's not weird because I'm married to her. 
and the, and the word of God tells us in Jeremiah three fourteen, turn, look at the words that God uses, oh, backsliding children. Unsaved, don't backslide. Us do. Turn, oh, backsliding children, saith the Lord. Why? For I am married unto you. So kiss the son, him whom you love. The groom, the bride, the lover. It's not weird. Just like it's not weird for me to go kiss my wife. Because we're married. And God says the same. Think of that. You're married. I don't know if we let these words really get in us. Almighty God is telling me he's married to me. And in Psalms, he says, kiss the son, pay homage to my son, glorify my son, love my son, lest I be angry because of what he's done and the price he paid. Just think how much it upsets you if you drop, I don't know, $300 on some video system, $80 on a game, and your kid just leave them out and the disc gets scratched or they use it for a hold their milk. You, you don't care about anything. That's a $300 piece of nothing. Christ gave his blood for you, died for you. Psalmist said, oh, kiss the son. Kiss the son. And you could have been kissing during worship. All the songs that we were singing is a time to kiss, time to love the Lord, time to worship, not just sing. It's time to kiss, to love, and to worship. Thank you. Thank you, God. Whether it's through tears at the altar, it doesn't matter. Thank you. Thank you, God. Kiss the sun. Get the zeal back. Okay, let me close this with this. We know that zeal can represent fire, like we've been talking about. Passion, fire, eagerness, intensity. We also know that through the Word of God, a snake or a viper always kind of represents evil or Satan. Okay? And so we know that he'll attack us. We just do. It's part of it. It's a game. Not a game as in frolic and foolishness, but that's part of it. We understand. You go to move this football for God, and the enemy's going to have his linebackers. That's just the way it is. Acts 28 1. Remember after Paul told his folks this ship is going down? It went down. They swam ashore. They find themselves on this island. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. They all made it. The natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said one to another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, uh, though he has escaped to sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. Well, look at this. And it says, But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. The viper, a type of the enemy, didn't nibble on his hand, fastened on his hand. Just fastened on it. And the, the zeal that Paul had in serving Almighty God didn't freak out. The zeal that was burning with inside of him, he used just to shake it off. 
I have to write a book about it, film this, just shook it off as nothing, as it was meaningless. Paul didn't let it bother him. Paul didn't scream, why, God? Why? Why does all this stuff always happen to me? I'm just trying to serve you. He just shook it off with the fire and the zeal of God because it was burning that much inside of him. Stem and on him. He's like, get off. That's the zeal and the fire that the church should have. Get off. He keeps trying to put all these bondages and chains on you. You just have that zeal and worship God. You'd hear them fall off. Nothing can bind you. Absolutely nothing. This zeal and this fire is for our protection also. I always pray that God puts a holy fire around my wife's mind and heart and our children. No matter what the enemy tries to throw into them, as it comes to that fire, it's just consumed because my God's a consuming fire. Zeal, spit, fervency, eagerness, excitement, intense, rabid for God. Why not? I know that there's a whole side of you that hates this stuff. Because it shows there's a side of me. But there's only one thing we're supposed to do with that person. Kill it. Just kill it. Kill it. The zeal of God. Bible tells us over and over, remember, stir up the Spirit of God. It was on Samson, it's in me. Think of that. On the old people, it's in me. In, in me all the time. Always just waiting for me to tap into that power and that fire. And how do you do it? It's, and it's through prayer and the Word and this. This is it. It's not a new movie, and I thank God for them. It's not for some cool video, and I got another one some other time to show you. But it's those basic old path things that we see in the Word of God that causes you to have that zeal and that fire. And you'll walk different. Oh, you will walk different. You will think different. You will act different. You will catch things that normally just pass by because you'll be in tune closer with God, the zeal of God. Altar call simple. It's just simple. Simple for me. God, I just need some fire. I need some zeal. You know, it's, it's kind of like with our children. If they're, you know, at the age and they're saying, I need some money. What, what do you think I say? Get a job. At, at that age, uh, go to work. Okay, look, Heavenly Father, I need some fire. Go to work. Go to work. God will do instant and wonderful miracles. Never take that away from him. He's our heavenly father. And we need to wrestle with this flesh, kill this flesh, and God will bless. God will give you that fire and that spit that seems to be missing in our church, where people are just in love with God, where people will say no to what the world craves and longs to do. You said, sorry. You get a visitor, I don't know if it's family, whatever it is, that comes at about 6.30, and 6.35 you go to church, tell them. You want to come? No. Okay, we'll be back. 
whatever you want in the refrigerator, you can have. We'll be back. Understand? It's just simple things like that. Not being some Pharisee, just being in love with God. Four o'clock comes or whatever time I get to go home, I don't go. I got to go home. Oh, no way. I love going home to my wife. I love it. Why? Because I'm married to her. Married. In love with. We need that with God. To a greater degree. Okay, they'll probably set the atmosphere with some music. Dim some lights. Just come to this altar. Spend some time. It's not that late. Spend some time. Get refired up with the Spirit of God since the fear probably drained it out of you. Let's come to this altar. Just ask God for that heart. You need, and guess what? God will put a brand new one in. If your one's been so damaged, so broken, so run through with false brothers, lies, false preachers, God will give you a brand new heart. Just ask it. God, give me a brand new heart. Come down. Come down to the altar. Ask God. God, teach me to kiss the sun, especially if you're a man. Sounds weird to us. Fall in love with God, your heavenly Father. Latter part of my father's years, in his 80s, I started kissing him when he would come see me. It was the greatest step I ever did. Kiss the sun. Say, God, am I drifting? God, I don't trust myself. I will lie to myself. Father, am I drifting? It's 